Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Prophetico. It looks like we're going to be doing Isaiah chapter 4 uh, via request. Uh, Arthur. Uh, of course, our Russian brother. <laughs> so, good stuff. We did talk about this the other day, so I guess this will be a, a reiteration. Uh, we'll probably uh, go ahead and read the whole thing. It's it's only uh, six verses. So, Paul, you want to read it for us? I will. Hang on. I'm almost there. Isaiah chapter 4. This is out of the King James Version. That'll work. And in that day, seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, We will eat our own food and wear our own apparel. Only let us be called by your name to take away our reproach. In that day, the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and appealing for those of Israel who have escaped. And it shall come to pass that he who is left in Zion and remains in Jerusalem shall be called holy. Uh, Maybe. had to turn the page here. Hang on. Everyone who is recorded among the living in Jerusalem Verse 4, when the Lord has washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and purged the blood of Jerusalem from her midst by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning, then the Lord will create above every dwelling place of Mount Zion and above her assemblies a cloud and smoke by day and the shining of a flaming fire by night, for over all the glories there will be a covering. And there will be a tabernacle for shade in the daytime from the heat for a place of refuge and for a place for a shelter from storm and rain. Good stuff. Uh, That is very good stuff. Uh, Of course, uh, the first thing that catches your attention uh, is the simple fact that uh, he's talking in future tense uh, in reference to the daughters of Zion. They've already uh, had their uh, filth washed away. Uh, we've been relocated, of course, to um, the place that's been prepared for us by God. Uh, this campy here in reference is, of course, the tabernacle of David. Uh, you'll take note <clears throat> uh that it also talks about the branch uh, in reference to uh, the Moshe'im. And, of course, I I was going to talk about this uh, today uh, just a little bit. 
Uh, but when you get into the Hebrew, uh, Emmanuel, I hope you all realize that that is in the scripture plural twice, Emmanuel Eloham. Um, one of my favorite verses uh, to talk about that and to point out uh, the serious lacking nature um, of your strongs is Psalms 54, verse 1. Right there, it has Emmanuel Elohim, plural, as it plural. Uh, and if you take a look uh, what you've got in the Strong's, uh, you'll take note that it's seriously lacking. <laughs> and I mean seriously lacking. Um, just, just take note. Um, the number of words in Psalms 54, verse 1. And then you count the Strong's numbers for it, and you have to give yourself pause because you're like, well, what's all of the words there not translated? That's right. It's well over uh, half the words in this uh, verse is not even translated. Uh, but, of course, when we talk about uh, Elohim, you've got your, your, your standard um, your standard chapter, of course, Isaiah uh, chapter 7, uh, which uh, stands out, of course, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Um, it's quoted there, but uh, it's also twice in Isaiah chapter 8. It's in 8 and 10, uh, which is extremely uh, pertinent. Uh, to what we're talking about here, uh, the believing uh, remnant there starting in verse 9. And it's important to be able to put uh, put two and two together, uh, put all the things uh, together there. But uh, the other one where it's, it's, it's plural is Exodus chapter 20, verse 19, um, New American Standard Bible. Uh, then they said to Moses, speak to us yourself, and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us or we will die. That right there is Emmanuel in the plural form, Emmanuel Elohim, right there. Uh, so that's the two verses where uh, that name is actually plural. So it's here that uh, you begin to get the uh, ideas of just exactly everything that's going on uh, there in Isaiah chapter 4. Uh, but you can uh, tie all these things together at length. Uh, but <clears throat> there's always, uh, you know, this strange passage comes up here, for seven will, uh, women will take hold of one man on that day, saying, will we eat our own bread and wear our own clothes, only let us be called by your name take away a reproach. Then it mentions, of course, the branch. And that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious. Fruit of the earth will be the pride and the adornment of the saviors of Israel. Right here is a direct reference to, uh, to the Moshe'in. Uh, the survivors of Israel here being placed, uh, of course, it's telling you emphatically that it is, it is these women. So uh, this, this dire phrase here, take away our approach in verse 1, of course they've had their fruit 
uh, taken from them. That, that's why it's in the in the plural form there, the fruit. So it will come about uh, that the one who is left in Zion and remains in Jerusalem, it's separating the two there, uh, will be called holy. Right here telling you uh, once again that those that are in Zion are holy. Uh, everyone who's recorded for life in Jerusalem, what did he just tell you? He just told you that whoever survives the tribulation trigger uh, there, uh, particularly in Jerusalem and, of course, uh, the promised land uh, by extrapolation. But remember that the book of Revelation also calls Jerusalem the entire planet. It calls it, uh, you know, fig, uh, figuratively Sodom in Egypt. So we have to realize that what he's, what he's doing here <laughs> for all of us is to let you know that you're going to survive the event. Of course, those that are uh, on the rest of the planet outside of the promised land, we're going to be taken to a place that's been prepared for us by God. The survivors that are in Jerusalem, they are recorded for life. Uh, that means that uh, these are the ones. He's coming right out and tell you uh, that these are the ones uh, that are going to realize who Messiah is. And it's only until this event that they do realize who Jesus is. It's not until the tribulation trigger takes place. So uh, that's why all these dynamics are mentioned here. Uh, and it's extremely important that, that you realize uh, why he says Zion and Jerusalem. Uh, and those that are in Jerusalem, they're recorded for life, and everyone in Zion is holy. Uh, so, <clears throat> verse 4, uh, when the Lord has washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and purged the bloodshed of Jerusalem uh, from the midst of the spirit of judgment and the spirit of burning. We'll take note, that's separated right there. <laughs> uh, there's two things there, the spirit of judgment the spirit of burning. Uh, then the Lord will create over the whole area of Mount Zion, over the assemblies, a cloud by day, even smoke and brightness and flaming fire by night. Uh, for uh, over all the glory will be a canopy. Uh, this glory here, uh, of course, you'll take note that that is uh, H3519. Uh, it's Kabod. Uh, that is the second part of the name that we mentioned last uh, on the last uh, broadcast. I think we uh, we might have mentioned that in Tiny Chat actually, but Ichabod. Uh, that's actually uh, two words there. It's not not put together into one word. You're supposed to know prophetically. This is supposed to take you straight to that tale in Second Samuel chapter four. That's why it's mentioned here that name. So. Uh, there's going to be uh, this glory, uh, this canopy, uh, like I said in, in other places in Scripture, it's called the Tabernacle of David. Uh, so he's letting you know uh, that uh, the assemblies are there for plural. Um, it's, it's important that you uh, be able to realize that he's talking about two different sets of people, of course. You've got the righteous Jews that are remaining outside of the place of protection, and you, of course, have the woman that's within the place of protection. Uh, and verse 6, 
There will be a shelter to give shade from the heat by day and refuge and protection from the storm and the rain. Uh, A very prophetic thing to say there because you realize that this uh, canopy is extenuating, of course, from Mount Zion. So all the terrible things that you're reading about in Revelation, uh, it's one of these keys in the scripture that you begin to realize that it's something else. It's, it's, it's a location, this tabernacle of David, that is a little bit more uh, than what you would expect. Of course, we know before we know that their clothes did not wear out uh, in this strange place, so it would seem. Uh, that all the horrors that's occurring in the outer darkness at this point, uh, somehow this locality uh, that has his glory extenuating over it is not touched by the uh, weather effects. And, of course, we had the same thing there in Goshen uh, during the plague of darkness. Uh, This canopy extenuated over Goshen where the Jews were, uh, where the children of Israel were, uh, it was still light. So this place, this, this location, physically it is something completely different. Uh, yes, it is a physical location on the ground, but some very strange things are, are mentioned here in Isaiah chapter 4 uh, concerning uh, the natural uh, physics uh, that we enjoy now. Something is different there. Uh, so, it's important to to look and see why he's doing everything uh, by duality here. Uh, and take note that uh, here, uh, you're told outright uh, that, of course, the daughters of Jerusalem have been uh, washed. Uh, they have no more filth. It has been purged from them. Uh, so, it's important uh, that you realize Uh, that the blood that was on their hands, of course, from the shedding uh, blood of the Messiah. This is why uh, they realize all of this. So it it is now that uh, they are the daughters of Zion. Uh, So it's pretty important, uh, this chapter, to cover it uh, from the beginning uh, in your eschatological research, because if you don't, this is going to leave a very big sore in your eye. If you can't cover this on your timeline, uh, you're not going to go very far very fast. (laughs) Uh, You have to rectify these things. It it really doesn't matter what timeline you're you're trying to create. If you don't rectify the situations that's given here, all all the problems that are presented here, like I said, you're just not going to go very far at all. Uh, so, good stuff. I, I don't know why um, I don't know why that uh, Arthur wanted me to talk about this again. Uh, but let's see here: the fourth book of the Bible, Numbers has thirty-six. Yes, it does. And Isaiah has four verses. That's some interesting biblical mechanics. Yes, it is. And uh, take note. Uh, remember with the six, six, six uh, there, Arthur. Remember, uh, that's why it's encoded into the Bible, the 216. Uh, God is creating for you um, a cube. 
it is six high, six wide, and six deep. Uh, that's why that. That's why the beast tries to corrupt that form and, of course, put it into a sixty-six pyramid. So, when you look at that, uh, it becomes uh, very interesting when you see why uh, he is doing that. But yes, this all uh, forms into that. Uh, well, it 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 creates uh, these numbers, uh, either a block, uh, and if you look at the other side, it creates a pyramid uh, when it comes to three-dimensional graphics created with these numbers. Uh, but yes, it is. Uh, of course, uh, numbers 36 uh, would probably lose a lot of people. Uh, if you were to walk up to a um, uh, any... Uh, preacher uh, that was covering, uh, of course, prophecy, and and asked them, well, what is going on there in uh, Numbers chapter 36? Uh, that leaves them uh, stumped. <laughs> uh, they don't they don't know where to go with that. And when you tell them that the entirety of there, the number of chapters, it leaves them rather quite clueless as to what is going on. But Literally, when you take these numbers uh, and you go through each of the 66 books, um, or each of the 36 books, rather, uh, you have this encodation entirely through Numbers 36. All 36 books, or chapters, all of them, uh, it, it, it picks this out. Uh, of course, uh, many people don't like reading numbers uh, because most of it, uh, they say it's very monotonous. You just have endless names uh, just listed over and over and over, names upon names upon names upon names. Uh, but really, the alphanumerics contained here uh, in the book of Numbers is uh, really quite... In-depth is an understatement, to put it like that. It really is an understatement, uh, to put it like that. But yes... Um, and speaking of uh, biblical uh, mechanics, if anybody uh, is new in the chat room, um, you can go to the BibleSourceCode.com uh, and check out and see what it is uh, that Arthur uh, was talking about there. You can get um, there's a lot of information over there. You can get it. It lists the chapter numbers uh, and all of that. I think I've provided just about everything over there. Um, the synoptic graph, of course, is my own design. Uh, but uh, it's it's interesting to take note of the numbers involved here. It's very important to realize that those uh, are given for a reason. Uh, just like uh, Isaiah chapter 4, the, the one we just read is 862. Uh that's the number of chapters that it is in the Bible. Or, uh, no, 683. Yeah, 683. Um, so we could bring up, uh, of course, all the numbers uh, or all the words that calculate to that equation, and you would see it. You'd begin to see the spokes of a wheel as it would uh, circumvent uh, the entire Bible with, with that number, both the Hebrew and the Greek would do that, and you'd be able to expand this chapter out to 
uh, literally to infinity uh, and beyond. Uh, so it's 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 pretty imp- uh, pretty important uh, that we look at this, uh, the names, everything associated with it. Um, but I already talked a little bit. Um, like I said, the last time I was on, uh, of course, we put in Isaiah chapter 3 here, too. We read them both together uh, because they are both, well, they're, uh, they're twins, shall we say. So is there anything else anybody else wants to talk about? Let me get the chat room back up here. I'm going to be dropping... Uh, I just thought that in uh, verse 5, it's so clear that there's a foreshadowing of future events, uh, cloud by day and fire by night. Right. Yeah. Yes. Um, Extremely so. Extremely so. Um, You know, because there's no way you can argue with that, Paul. Uh, he's referring to future events. Uh, So you're going to have to come to grips with that. But this, that there's no reason for him to be referring to this in future tense. So it's just amazing that prophecy experts won't cover that. They'll say, no, this is about the past when it can't be. It absolutely can't be. No, it's after the event. That's right. And and this this also uh you know is is more for, uh foreshadowing of why Revelation the tenth chapter is there. Uh, why we have to run into uh the Exodus angel. He he's got to be there. Um and that's exactly uh who you're dealing with there in, in Revelation chapter ten, uh whole lock, stock and barrel. That's the Exodus angel. So uh and you also uh, stumble across these things when you uh, study about the uh, the angel. Of course, some uh, some translation says that his name is wonderful, or uh, or God's name is in him. Uh, you run across this 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 same study uh, going down those roads as too. But uh, it's just the small uh, six verses that we're dealing with here. Uh, just cross-references off the chart. Uh, I mean, you can barely uh, get through any verse. I mean, uh, literally, when we're... You you mentioned uh, verse 5 there. Uh, We've got Exodus 13 uh, all over that, Exodus 24 all over that, and Numbers 5 all over that. Uh, It's just all over it. Um, Whenever they... uh, There are numbers whenever they first uh, set the tabernacle up. and and that description there, he's obviously describing that in future tense. Um, so it's 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 amazing, uh, just the cross references that you that you can come to right here. And of course, verse four, uh, it it references right back because it mentions the daughters uh, of Zion, and of course, it does the same thing uh, in verse sixteen of the prior chapter. So it's kind of hard to separate these two. Um, and you know the glory being a chamber uh, here in verse five. That uh, that that final phrase, uh, the kabod 
with the kupa. Uh, it's a glory chamber. Uh, really is uh, magnificent to look at and see what he's doing here. And it and Paul, it it, it kind of makes you wonder why you can't find a whole lot of information on these you know these six verses, but you really can't. Uh, you kind of run into a a, a brick wall. Uh, as a matter of fact, I don't think I've ever seen any prophetic teaching at all on Isaiah chapter four, uh, and that's that's pretty sad to think about it. Uh, you know, considering uh, that the very next chapter is, of course, about the vineyard. Uh, how many times did Christ talk about the vineyard, yet that's not mentioned at all? Um, there, the reference to, uh, you know, the worthless ones there. Uh, it's it's just amazing how how nobody can flow this through and, and just because of verse 2, put this into uh, Jesus right here. Uh, there's no way to do it. He just said fruit, their fruit. Uh, so it's, it's just amazing to me uh, that they try to throw this uh, underneath Jesus and in the past when there's no way that can be the case. It can't be. He's talking in future tense here. So... Good stuff, Arthur. Um, good stuff, man. Uh, anything I've always, else? I've always found it curious. So every study final I have ever had, when you get to the interesting verses, they're completely silent. They are, and it seems like all the all the important points they're silent about. It, it it's like they're really uh, not teaching you anything that they know they're just saying whatever they learned in a textbook or something it's it's pretty obvious because when you go outside their confines they immediately become confused or or quiet or say i don't know or what or just skip the question altogether we had a sunday school teacher this morning boy he was really uncomfortable <laughs> really um, yeah, we've been covering dispensationalism, you know, and I've put a, you know, kind of a bar about here and there, nothing real over the top, but I never even said anything today. It was rapture, but, um, oddly enough, the transparency that the textbook had doesn't match what we teach, and wow, did we go through that really, really fast. <laughs> um, the text, the textbook had, uh, you know, a catching up prior to the tribulation, but then it had a return to earth of those who had been caught up when Christ starts his thousand-year reign. Um, that's not what we've been taught, and wow, did that transparency was not up there very fast, and the words were really small, but. Um, and that's, you know, that is a potential, we know we're caught up, we go somewhere. Um, it only makes sense. We can't go to heaven because we can't have glorified bodies because uh, the dead in Christ rise first. So could we come back for the thousand-year reign of Christ? Um, 
Sure. That's, you know, I I can see that as legitimate, but um, yeah, we blew through that section of the lesson really, really fast. <laughs> really, really fast because he wanted to make sure nobody asked any questions, right? Yeah. Yep. That's that's the way most of them do it uh, because, well, that's obviously well, it's, people, but yeah. I guess you could have brought up Isaiah chapter 4 and asked him about it, but, um, you know, that would have just made it worse, really. Well, and it comes down to, you know, don't be a crusader, you know. Where, yeah, people, are re- where people are receptive, you can talk about things. Um, certainly within my own family, you know, I've said, hey, um, I know what we're being taught, but that is not likely to be the case, and you should be prepared for that. But um, you can't be a crusader either and try and, you know, shove things down people's throats unless, you know, you want, if they're receptive and they want to hear what you want to say, game on. But. Well, in that in that setting, I usually just ask questions. Yeah. And <laughs> of course, my sons get a kick out of me. They're you know elbowing me in the side like, "Daddy, why are you asking him a question?" I said, "Well, I'm trying to get him to answer because if they they would at least take time to look at my question, of course, the question's always saying exactly the opposite of what's coming out of their mouth. So I could raise my hand and say." Uh, well, this must be true. The Bible's telling the truth, and you're saying the exact opposite, uh, you know, via whatever chapter and verse, and so that means you're lying. Of course, I don't do that. I just raise my question, you know, I just raise my hand and ask the question, well, what about, you know, Isaiah chapter 4? What, where's that, you know, where's that going to happen? Or, uh, you know, you can do it to just about anything, uh, you know, raise your hand and, and say, well, when is Ezekiel 39 happening? And if you can at least get them to, you know, look at it, uh, there's hope there that everybody else will look at it. But if you just start arguing with them, you know, if I to raise my hand and say, hey, uh, you're wrong, as a matter of fact, you're dead wrong, then you're just going to shut people down. Yep. They just you're harden, gonna, yeah, they harden their hearts. Yeah, they're going to immediately harden their hearts. And what's worse is the next time around, they're going to refuse to listen to the truth. That's what's the really bad thing about doing that is. From that point forward, they will refuse to hear anything about uh, whatever chapter you brought up. They'll refuse to listen to it. So you never get a chance, uh, just like... uh, Arthur here again, he throws it in. I wasn't going to say it, uh, but Isaiah chapter 4, verse 4. Uh, the alphanumerics on that, it, it you have to go to Jeremiah 33, 22, and I'm pretty amazed that he put it in there. But as the host of heaven cannot be numbered, neither the sand of the sea measured. So I will multiply the seed of my servant David and the Levites that minister unto me. Um, 
of course, coming out and telling you <laughs> exactly what he's talking about. Uh, but they'll never, they will never permit you to talk about, uh, even in church when I brought this up, you know, the seed of the promise. And I, you know, raised my hand. Well, what does that mean? Well, that's just all Christians. Really. All Christians are going to be the seed of David, and we're all going to be Levites. <laughs> uh, no, that's not what God's Word says, actually. That's not what it says. And uh, like bringing up, uh, of course, uh, Zadok, the seed of Zadok. Uh, they can't come in or out of uh, the temple, of course, because there's 12 gates inscribed with each tribe. Now, we know from the biblical law uh, that that means that uh, those 12 tribes got to enter and exit out those 12 gates. Well, what's the seed of Zadok supposed to do? They're just stuck inside? That's exactly what they are. They're stuck inside. Of course, who does the job of the Hamshara team outside of that, outside of the temple? Of course, God tells you in Revelation that is those of the first resurrection. He comes out and tells you. That's who rules and reigns with him. So it's it's pretty easy. It's really right in front of their face, but if they don't have that in their textbook, they have no idea uh, how to calculate what you're saying. They can't connect the dots. And that's really what bothers me about a lot of, uh, a lot of theologians. If you ask them questions outside of their textbook, they can't even go there. Their mind can't calculate what you're saying. Their mind refuses to see what the Bible comes out right out and says. They refuse to see it. Uh, just like uh, I was just talking about uh, Isaiah chapter 7. Go there. They can't touch it. They They absolutely can't because... Look, this child, Emmanuel, is right in the middle of the attack of the Assyrian. It's all over it. It's right in the middle of it. It's like, okay, so you're going to take verse 14, okay, and pull that out and leave everything else. Look, um, you know, let's, let's, let's just read this, Paul, and you tell me what you think about it, okay? Okay. Verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. He will eat curds and honey. At the time, he knows enough to refuse evil and choose good. Therefore, the boy will know enough to refuse evil and choose good. The land whose two kings you dread will be forsaken. Now, Paul, I'm not... What was the chapter and verse on that? Because I missed the chapter and verse. Okay, that that was Isaiah chapter 7. Okay. Verses 14, 15, and 16. Why don't you read them again out of the King James Version? Because that's what you've got, right? Yes. Read those three verses. Let's see, Isaiah chapter 7, verses, uh, was it verse 14? Yep, 14, 15, and 16. 
Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Curds and honey he shall eat, that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land that you dread will be forsaken by both her kings. The Lord will bring the king of Assyria upon you and your house and your father's house. Days that had not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah. Okay. So when exactly did Jesus uh, eat curds and honey? And during Christ, uh, who were the two kings that were being dreaded that was forsaken? And everybody yeah, gets... I don't remember those. No, you don't remember those. You can't remember those. Because they haven't happened yet. Well, he's in the second, uh, you know, right there in verse 15 and 16, you would think he's talking about John the Baptist. But he's not. So, uh, when you bring this up, you're just going to stump them. You're like, well, wait a minute. So you're saying that verse 15 and 16 is describing this this Emmanuel, right? They're like, yeah. Well, okay, when exactly? Just who are the two kings that they're talking about here? Who are who is it talking about? They're completely confused. That, that same thing happens when you go to uh, the next chapter uh, when it mentions. Of course, it says Emmanuel in verses eight and verse ten. Um. It's, well, in Emmanuel, do we really think that Christ didn't know good from evil? Exactly. Of course he knew. Well, yes, he did. He was the Son of God. So how could he How could yes. he be being referenced? But if you say that in the class, of course, you're going to cause a whole lot of harm. You, you, you're, you're doing nothing but casting stones at the teacher trying to make him look stupid. So it, it's it's pointless to do it. I mean, let's read the... Let's go ahead and... Here, I'll just read it. I'll jump over to the next chapter in verse 8. Um, so this is Isaiah chapter 8, everybody, the next chapter. Uh, it talks more about Emmanuel. And it's there in verse 8 and verse 10. Although at the end of verse 10, like the New American Standard Bible, it'll just say for God is with us. So I'll read these three verses. Then it will sweep on into Judah. It will overflow and pass through it. It will reach even to the neck and spread of the wings will fill the breath of your land, O Emmanuel. Be broken, O peoples, and be shattered and give ear to all remote places of the earth. Gird yourselves, yet be shattered. Gird yourselves, yet be shattered. Devise a plan, but it will be thwarted. State a proposal, but it will not stand. 
for God is with us. Right there it is again, Emmanuel. So, oh, you realize, when did this happen in Israel when Jesus was born? Mm, I'm not bringing up anything about Christ's life. Not anything at all. Literally nothing at all. So, you know, today when you were going, uh, you know, setting in this class, if you'd have brought this up, you would have accomplished nothing. First of all, you would have caught him so completely off guard that it would have been improper. And number two, there would have been no way he could have answered your question. <laughs> there could have been no way because in his mind, uh, Emmanuel is Jesus. And rightly so, because uh, we know that Matthew uh, chapter 1, verse 23, clearly says that's the way that it is. That in, And the only way this could be the case is, of course, if eschatology is isochronal, that's the only thing that would make any sense. However, you should look for the opportunity to um, between services. We have uh, you know a little time copy, and um, so I just I brought up the point that you made. You know, our church does not believe in. Um, speaking in tongues the way like the Assemblies of God believe. And I brought up the point that you made last week. The Greek doesn't say tongues, it says language. And we're not talking about gibberish, we're talking about those who are given the gift of tongues in the present day they're given the gift of being able to learn other tongues so they can spread the gospel to those who don't have it yet. Mm-hmm. And there was some, um, you know, some real reception to that. You know, hey, because I don't really remember that ever being brought up, you know, hey, we still do have tongues today. Um, it's the gift of learning languages and being able to go to countries where they don't have it. Um, and there was uh, there was at least one woman, she came in just on the tail end of it, and I remember her saying, man, I wish I'd been here five minutes early. You know, that's, that's an opportunity to educate if you... Right. If you look to this, you know, look to where there's already receptivity and talk to that. That's right. That's that's the best way to do it. Yeah. And maybe they'll look at other things that you have to say. If you've already said things that it's like, yeah, I, I never looked at that way. And yeah, I kind of agree with that, you know. They're more willing to look at other things you might have to say. That's right. 
you are um, well, you're planting seeds, correct? I hope so. You're planting seeds for later. See, that's and that's the way it was taught to me when I was a a, a boy, Paul. You got one of two choices. You can either plant a seed or cast a stone. So if you'd have brought this up in the middle of class, you know, when they were, you know, uh, teaching about uh, why there's no speaking in tongues today, you'd have just been casting stones at the teacher, making him look like an idiot. You would have accomplished nothing but bloodshed. But doing it the way you did it, you planted a seed instead of casting the stone. <laughs> well, and, and it's, it's a lot easier to have the ox pull the plow than to try to push the plow. Right. You know, if you push, 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 you're only going to hit resistance. That's right. You are. And everybody knows that. You know, that's why a crusader just can't keep themselves hid very long because they love the strife. Uh, They're not coming into this field to plant seeds. They're not coming into this field to help you plant seeds. That's not what they're doing. And the Bible's quite true when it says they will be evident to all. And really that's a great struggle for most people who um, are in church and then they start studying the Bible themselves. They start you know, learning all this stuff, and their immediate reaction is to stand up uh, in the middle of church and say, hey, no, you're wrong. No, you can't do that. That's not your place. I forget the word that they use today. Essentially, it's crusaders. It's somebody, here's what I believe, and you not only have to believe that, you have to follow what I believe. Yep. That's dogma right there. Um, yeah, you, which, I mean, you realize all the damage that would be left, that I would be refusing to repair if I wouldn't answer emails from Catholics. I mean, do you realize how many Pentecostals correspond with me? And never once to any of them have or said, you know, uh, by the way, you're wrong. By the way, you're an idiot. You know, by the way, um, you know, the only uh, the only people who's going to go to heaven are those in the uh, Church of Christ. You haven't heard that? Because, yeah, that's what they say, you know. Or I could say, hey, you're not one of the uh, Jehovah's Witness, 144,000. You're doomed. You're going to hell. I mean, do you realize how much damage you can do by holding to dogma? I mean... And by having a I'm superior to you attitude. 
Exactly. When, you know, how many times did Christ tell us to be the last one, be the lowest one, become like a child? Uh, how can anyone with that attitude hold to the Beatitudes? I just don't get it. And they know that if you ask them. They say, what, what are you doing? How are you holding to the Beatitudes? And we, you know, the only thing they can answer is we don't have to follow the Beatitudes no, law, no more than we have to follow the law. That's what they'll say. So they're obviously not there to help you seed that field. That's not why they're there. Well, of course, as long as I'm right, I don't have to follow the Beatitudes. <laughs> yep. That's the opinion. You know, that's that's what you get from it. I haven't seen anybody post in the chat in a while. Really? Everybody's still there? Can you hear us, everybody? Type something in the chat room. I thought John Gomez was coming on. I guess not. I don't really have anything. Yep, Jennifer says she's still listening. I don't really have anything specific. Um, I just did want to let you know that, uh, you know, the chat that was happened earlier last week about tongues and how the Greek says that's language that I was able to uh, talk about that. And and there was, you know, some real um, interest and some reception. We, uh, our church is looking at a building program and that especially, you know, hit home where I'd related that you've been involved with at least or known of at least five uh, Pentecostal churches that tongues ended up involved in how do we spend money and every single one of them split. Yep. Yep. And, you know, we're, we're looking, we've got a really small church, but we're looking at essentially doubling the size of our church. So, yeah, we're talking about for us, significant money. It's uh, probably for most of you, it's probably not significant. But, you know, for, for our assembly. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, you're here, John? Yeah, I'm on my break time at lunch. I'm at work, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you're at work. You kill me. You get on here at work. That is just awesome. What's going on, man? Everything all right today? Yeah, I'm good. Just uh, stretching my neck right now. I've got a stiff neck looking at these computers all day. Uh, so where, you, where, where you do start talking about money, yeah, it's easy to, um, you know, for people to to get upset and it's you have to be really really careful yeah that's probably the most sticky topic of all in the church is what to do with the money but was 
was there something you wanted to talk about, John? We're kind of uh, um, just kind of I, rambling, and um, Matthew's. Yeah, I had something uh, that you guys brought up yesterday on the on the what was it uh, the tiny chat? I think Matthew. Yeah. Um, okay, if Lucifer is not in the Bible, and I know like I looked at it myself. It's in it's in the Latin. It came in the Vulgate. It wasn't in the Hebrew. But uh, what does Havel mean? I don't know what is that? Oh, you're cutting out bad. I could barely understand you. I think I heard Lucifer. That's just about it. And I think I heard Azazel, I think. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah that's, that's a little better. Okay. Um, no, uh, I heard you guys mention Lucifer, and I know that's in the Latin Vulgate. Um, it's yeah. not in the Hebrew, but um, the Hebrew is Halel, I believe, right? Like, so, so what does that all mean? Yes. Said, uh, yes, it means uh, shining or light. Uh, it does. Um, mm. So, yeah, but whenever you hear people talking about Lucifer, that's bogus. Those people in high magic, they know that's bogus. They know that. Yeah, aren't, yeah, aren't they uh, actually um, worshiping Azazel, the beast? No, they know exactly who that is. Uh, he's not allowed to be mentioned out loud, actually. Um, that's really? quiet. Uh, that's why they have the generalization of him as Bachmet. Yeah, they're not allowed uh, to say his name. I mean, they do in their rituals, but not out in public. Uh, because they want everybody to keep to the deception of Lucifer. They want everybody yeah. to keep. They don't want to let everybody know just exactly what's going on. But yeah, that's the whole purpose behind that. But uh, like I've talked before, uh, there uh, in that verse in uh, in the Greek, of course, uh, is Hesperus. That's what it is. It's it's Hesperus. It's not not Lucifer. <laughs> hmm. I, so, I got another question after when you, you're done explaining. No, go ahead. Oh, um, you. I was listening to an, an old broadcast of yours and. Um, I heard you mention that Elijah the Tishbite, and you, um, who was that? I think it was Brother Dave who mentioned that, uh, that nobody knows where Tishbi or Tishba or wherever he might be is from. So, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. That's really uh, interesting. That is uh, out in left field. Uh, nobody knows just exactly uh, what. That is, because it's not referenced anywhere else. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, exactly correct. How much, how much did I cover uh, on that episode? I can't, I can't remember which one you're talking about. Of course, I did it so Man, many you times. Guys, I, was, I was halfway listening through it until uh, when 6.30 hit, and I called into this. But, uh, no, you, it seemed like you covered a good amount, but uh, the whole question is, like, who is Elijah, really? That's what makes me wonder now. It's like, was he even human? Was he even here? Um, you know, it, it makes you wonder if this plays into sometimes you entertain angels unaware. Yeah, exactly. That's why I'm like, uh, I mean, an angel, his, one of his jobs is a messenger. So, I mean, he did bring a message. So it kind of makes me wonder even more. Yeah, he, he certainly did. You can say that beyond any shadow of a doubt. He certainly... Uh, came to bring a message, uh, which definitely makes him a messenger. Uh, But, Mm -hmm. yeah, uh, that's one of the big things. 
now we do have to remember that um, if that being the case, um, it, it well, like I said, there there's it, it mentions where he was from, so that brings into question. Well, in that context, he was obviously um, a person. Uh, so yeah. there's things uh, there that you can go back and forth with. Uh, there's sometimes when, yeah, uh, he's. It, it almost makes you think uh, that he is a heavenly messenger, but other times, uh, in the same breath, you're like, no, he can't be because this. Uh, well, right there in uh, First Kings uh, 17, I think, it says he is a settler. So normally, if if that would be uh, an angelic entity, of course, well, that's the first time that they're ever referenced uh, as a sojourner or a you know a settler. That'd be the first time. But yeah, you're correct. There there, there is lots of people uh, who thinks that is the case that he was actually uh, an angel that was here. Uh, and we were just unaware of it. Um, however, that's not uh, not what I'm saying at all. Uh, based on those other other times when, if that be the case, I know that'd be the first time that an angel was ever described as that. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's that is pretty crazy. But uh, yeah, that. I don't know. I, I don't know what else to say, but I got to go back to work, and I'll be chiming in every once in a while when I can. Okay. All right. Talk to you later, man. Have you ever heard that, Paul? <laughs> that some people think that uh, uh, Elijah may have been uh, an angel. No, I have not. Um. What does Elijah mean, by the way, Matthew? What did the what mean? What does his name mean, Elijah? Oh, oh, Elijah's his uh, his proper name. Uh, it, it's it's kind of strange. It, it is Jehovah is God. That's what his name actually means. So it's the proper name of God. Is God L? So it's a combination of the Tetragrammaton and L. So yes, his his name is very interesting to say the least. Sounds sounds like a statement. Yes, it does, doesn't it? It sounds like a statement. Yeah, like it's not asking; it's telling you who is God. That's pretty awesome. Right. I will admit, Elijah did some incredible things. Um, But I just thought that he was a human and those incredible things he did, that was, he was just being empowered by God to accomplish the task that God gave him. 
Amen. But, uh, you know, the greatest thing was done by uh, Elisha, the one who took over for him. I mean, um, you know, the strangest thing ever mentioned in the Bible is when they take the corpse and throw it in and it hits Elisha's bones and the guy comes back to life. So that's really a whole lot more than what Elijah ever did. I do not remember seeing that. I will have to look for that. Really? You don't remember that? No. Okay, I got one other um, weird question. Yeah. Um, in the part of the Bible in Genesis where it says that um, Enoch walked with God and you know God took him, mm-hmm. that can all, I heard that also could be translated as um, like God's, like well, obviously Elohim, but um, that's plural, and some say that it could be translated as angels. Is that true, or? Yes, it 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 could be translated that way. Yes, it but could be. Is, is it right? I've I've always heard Enoch walked with God and he was no man, and we. No, it, it it does not say that uh, Enoch was Elohim. That's not what it says. I mean, when you look at it uh, there in the Hebrew, of course, there's lots of things that there's not, not translated. But no, it never says that Enoch was Elohim. That's not what it says. Oh, yeah. No, uh, I mean uh, that uh, he walked with angels, I guess you could say, that... Um... I guess they were trying to do a midrash on um, Genesis 6 and think that's where they got the, what was it, the Book of Jubilees or something? That I heard somebody say that. That um, yeah, that's, I guess that's, that's what where, they think. Yeah, that's where they would have got that from. Uh, okay. They would have got that from the Book of Enoch. They would not have got that from Genesis. Okay, makes sense. So they were trying right. to uh, fill in the blanks, add in is what they were doing. Adding to it. That's true. Was it Elijah or Elisha that ran faster than a horse? That did what? Ran faster than a horse. He outran a horse. That was Elisha. Okay. And when you look at the two of them, of course, they're so similar, it's off the charts because, of course, Elisha got a a double portion of the spirit that was with Elijah. So it's it's really well it's really difficult to you know wrap your mind around. But that's just the way it is. Can I at least get a hint what book of the Bible where the bones of a dead man were thrown a, hint? a dead man yeah, where a dead Just man that? was thrown on Elisha's bones and he came back to life. Oh, that's Second Kings 13. Okay. Yeah. Why don't we read it? We might as well read it. It's only, uh, what, 24, 25 verses. Not that long. Uh, that was Second Kings 13? Yep, Second Kings 13. First Kings, Second Kings, Second Kings nine, twelve. 
Second Kings 13. In the 23rd year of Joash, the son of Azariah, king of Judah, Jehoazaz, the son of Jehu, became king over Israel in Samaria and reigned 17 years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord and followed the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin. He did not depart from them. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel, and he delivered them into the hand of Hazazel, king of Syria, and into the hand of Ben-Hadad, the son of Hazael, all their days. So Jehoazaz pleaded with the Lord, and the Lord listened to him. For he saw the oppression of Israel, because the king of Syria oppressed them. And the Lord of Israel... The Lord gave Israel a deliverer so that they escaped from under the hands of the Syrians and the children of Israel dwelt in their tents as before. Nevertheless, they did not depart from the sins of the house of Jeroboam who had made Israel sin but walked in them and the wooden image also remained in Samaria. For he left of the army of Jehoazaz, only 50 horsemen, 10 chariots, and 10,000 foot soldiers, for the king of Syria had destroyed them and made them like the dust at threshing. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoaz, all that he did, and his might, are not written in the book of the Chronicles. Are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Jehoaz rested with his fathers, and they buried him in Samaria. Then Joaz, his son, reigned in his place. In the 37th year of Joaz, king of Judah, Jehoaz, the son of Jehoaz, became king over Israel and Samaria and reigned 16 years. I'm butchering his names, but you'll have to forgive me. Okay. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Verse 11. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nazbot, who made Israel's son sin, but walked in them. Now the rest of the acts of Joaz, all that he did, and his might with which he fought against Amazai, king of Judah, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel. So Joash rested with his fathers, and Jeroboam sat on his throne, and Joaz was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel. Uh, now we're getting to the interesting part. Verse 14. <laughs> Elisha had become sick with an illness of which he would die. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, O my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. And Elisha said to him, Take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it. And Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And he said, Open the east window. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance 
and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For you must strike the Syrians at Apex, till you have destroyed them. And he said, Take the arrows. So he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, Strike the ground. So he struck three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, You should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you only strike Syria three times. Then Elisha died, and they buried him. And the raiding bands of Moab invaded the land in the spring of the year. So it was, as they were burying a man, that suddenly they spied a band of raiders, and they put the man in the tomb of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. And Hazel, king of Syria, oppressed Israel all the days of Joahaz. But the Lord was gracious to them, had compassion on them, and regarded them because of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he would not yet destroy them or cast them from his presence. Now Hazel, king of Syria, died. Then Ben-Hadad, his sons, reigned in his place. And Joash, son of Jehoaz, recaptured from the hand of Ben-Hadad, the son of Hazel, the cities which he had taken out of the hands of Joahaz, his father, by war. Three times Joash defeated him and recaptured the cities of Israel. There you have it. Now, you can certainly say that never happened with anybody else. No. And that's interesting. It's just such a small little, it's just one sentence, and it's so easy to just blow right past it. Yep. You know, I just had an email about that this morning. It's funny you mentioned that. It was pretty lengthy discourse. And I really didn't know how to respond. And I haven't responded yet, but this person, I guess, is an administrator of a pretty big site. And to make a long story short, they didn't know what to do because based on what I had been saying, well, I had proved them to be a liar. Now, I understand their predicament. Um, But if they get the Greek and do exactly what I said, and they did, they realized they had been teaching a lie. I mean, there's no way around it. That word is not what their strong says it is. So they were upset and they said, I don't understand why the verses that you covered on that broadcast I'd never seen before. He said, 
I've read through the Bible completely three times just reading it. And he said, then I listened to it on audio Bible, and he said, I swear I've never heard those verses. And that's what really upset him, Paul. He we said, can all be we can all be wrong. It's only when you realize you're wrong and refuse to acknowledge it. Acknowledge it. And and that's all right, but I guess and I have, go forward. Uh I guess we had talked about some verses, you know. Uh, well, I, I'll just tell you. Uh, there in Isaiah chapter 26. And he was upset. He said, now, I know I've read them physically three times. I've read through the whole Bible three times. And I listen to it two or three times a year, he said. But he swore he'd never seen or heard those verses when he knew he had to have. And he was pretty upset that he... I would almost say further, if you're a teacher and you realize that you're wrong, you should probably repent. Right. Well, you... And then go forward and and make clear to those who you can that you were in error. Well, that's easier said than done when you're in a covenant with somebody. Well, and I am no different than anybody else. Pride gets in the way of... Well, there's finances to think about, too, because he said he's only one of the administrators of this site. And he gave me the numbers. It's huge. And he said, I really don't know what I can even do legally. Uh, it's, It's not just that. When you're talking about money and you're talking about your personal wallet and correcting what you know of is error and other people don't acknowledge that, that can have not just simply a financial impact, but an impact on all the people that look up to you who who will turn away. I mean, it's it's not just a money issue, it's a pride issue. You know, they if I if I change if I tell them I was in error and this is the way and they don't believe me, they're gonna quit looking up to me. But was there anything special about this man who was thrown in on Elisha's bones? Nope. You read it. Okay. I was just curious. Yeah, there's nothing special about him at all. 
So he was just one lucky son of a gun. Well, you could say this for sure. He was in the right place at the right time. <laughs> you could say that. He was at the right place at the right time. But no, it is it is difficult when you realize that you've been in error and you need to stop being in error and and people are really oftentimes resistant to that. And and that's where it comes back to you have to be very careful about how you bring that up so that you don't harden hearts right from get-go. Yeah. You know, I've been I've been dealing with a little bit of that, you know, in my own household, just, you know, just bringing up, hey, I know what we teach about rapture. Um, I can't find anywhere where it backs that up, and and I could say, you know, it's not even that I have to agree with Matthew, but I can't dispute anything he says, and I know. <laughs> And he won't argue with me either, so. <laughs> well, you know, and that's that's where it is. I mean, you put a lot of stuff out there, and it doesn't matter what you put out there. There is nothing that I can dispute. You know, may I agree with it, may not. That doesn't matter. I can't dispute it. I, there's n- on no point can I say Matthew's crazy and... There's nothing that backs that up. Um, everything you say, I cannot find any alternative that would dispute with what you say. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> well, you know, that, that sort of being said, you know, if you can't dispute it, um, I'm guessing you're probably closer to the right track than I am because, you know, a lot of stuff I've learned, I can dispute it. Well, that's good. You know, the whole rapture, the whole rapture we go to heaven. No, eh, no. Tell me about, you know, Revelation 25. Tell me how that works for your rapture, the all go to heaven thing. Doesn't really work so good. I hear you. I haven't looked at the chat lately. I did ask. Oh, everybody's being shy tonight. Are they? Well, that don't make no sense. Well, nobody's coming up with questions anyway. Everybody's probably tired. Uh, let's see. 
Oh, Jennifer. Has oh, I see one. Um, I see one. Uh, Jennifer. So, yeah, she's got uh, a couple of them. Yeah, that uh, seventh one. Um, let's see here. Uh, Enoch was named seventh, and that is the same word as seventh in Revelation for the angel. Is that what he is now? <laughs> uh, you're almost seeing it, but not quite. Um, let's do this. I wasn't going to say anything, but let's do this. Do you know where that exact word uh, for seven is in the Old Testament? Did you try looking there? Uh, because that's massively important. Here, let me read you one. Um this is why I personally think, okay, uh, that the reason why he's called a stranger, that's because he's from the tribe of Dan. Uh, that exact word comes up in the Septuagint in Joshua 19, verse 40. The seventh lot fell to the tribe of the sons of Dan, according to their families. So, uh let me throw this one at you, okay? When we look, uh, why does it say uh, that uh, it, uh, uh, the whole thing that um, uh, Elijah, uh, in reference to Gilead? Well, uh, take a look at um, Deuteronomy, the very first verse. Now Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, the top of Pisgah, which opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land, Gilead, as far as Dan. So this ties right into uh, Elijah, the Tishabite, and Enoch. Um, so anyway, um, I'm not going to cover too much more about that. That's a study all in itself, uh, tying uh, the two together. Uh, but... Yes, I'm glad that you've seen that, that the word used for seventh there is the same as the angel. Uh, oh, I forgot to tell you. Um, she's getting that, of course, from Jude, uh, verse 14, I think. It says that Enoch was the seventh generation uh, from Adam. So uh, the ties there uh, is pretty interesting. Um because some of the strange things with Enoch, of course, uh, also is just like Elijah and Elisha, uh, the strange things surrounding them. There's, so there very well may be a reason uh, why some things are, key, are, are kept secret, shall we say. Uh, it keeps us in the dark. Uh, but that's really good stuff uh, for another study. Let's see here. Hello, my husband's sister is here sleeping, so I'm trying to be quiet. Our house is small. <laughs> All right. I think we've been on here probably long enough. Um, hope everybody enjoyed. That's for sure. How long have we been on? We've been on for an hour and a half. So, yeah, that's 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 a pretty good stretch. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Paul, I'm not going to argue with you about the uh, rapture. I'm not going to do that. Um we just talk about the Bible and what it says. That's what we discuss. 
Oh, I don't I don't argue with you at all. I think uh your explanation makes a lot more sense than everything I've been taught. And until I come up with some explanation that doesn't conflict with scripture, um I'm going with your version. <laughs> it's not my version. <laughs> I know, I know, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. Well, everybody, uh, we're going to call it quits on this one. Uh, tomorrow is, of course, a work day. I know all of you probably got to get up to work. Uh, I know that, uh, I know Deb does, I know Paul does, so we all, we all have to go to work tomorrow. Uh, we uh, might do tomorrow, too. Uh, I don't know. So uh, be prepared to biblicate at any given time. Uh, but I'll take a look uh, at the email, see if there's any any questions in the email, something that we should should cover. Uh, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe somebody else will crash the cast tomorrow if if they can. Uh, but if you want to come on tomorrow and talk about anything, let me know ahead of time, and and we can do it. I mean, it doesn't doesn't matter to me. There's there's no way you're going to challenge me concerning the Bible. If you see it and it's a question. We'll talk about it. We'll we'll go there. Um, I don't know. Maybe we'll we'll talk more about uh, Enoch and Elijah and Elisha. I don't know. Uh, good topics, of course. Uh, my two uh, favorite prophets are the ones that's not given a name, uh, but we've talked about those before too. So uh, it doesn't matter to me, uh, everybody. Well. Um, I've appreciated your time tonight, and I'm a federal employee. I don't work tomorrow, but... <laughs> oh, why not? Why don't President's you work... Day. Oh, is tomorrow Veterans Day? Good grief. That's President's Day, but... Um, I don't know if you want to. I'll close on the Okay, yeah, please do. Very good. Dear Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the session that we were able to have tonight. We are thankful for the enlightenment that we have received. And Lord, we pray that the things that we have heard will encourage us to look deeper into your word and to educate, educate ourselves and prepare ourselves for becoming your bride. Lord, we ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen and amen. All right, everybody. God bless. Godspeed. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.